Hi everyone and welcome back to Discerning Consciousness. I'm your host Ant and once again today uh, for today's video I'm joined by Jackie Devoy. Hello Jackie. Hi Ant. Um, hi there. Thanks for having me again. No problem. Thank you. Thank, thank you for joining us today. So this is uh, part two in our discussion on um, coronavirus, COVID and, and care homes, the situation in care homes. And obviously last time we spoke specifically with regards to your dad and the situation of when you felt compelled to remove him um, from the situation he was in the care home. But today what we're going to talk, upon, uh, talk about is the situation with regards to um, well, there seems to be this disturbing trend of um, increasing COVID cases and um, deaths after the rollout of the vaccine. I wonder if we could just start on that topic, um, Jackie. Yeah, well, there's, uh, since the rollout, which was uh, the December in the UK, I've had lots of people contacting me with um, horrendous stories of, of things that have been going on. Um, one thing that seems to be happening a lot that I've been hearing about is um, people whose uh, loved have been uh, vaccinated without consent. So I've right. spoken to several people who have uh, power of attorney, say over a loved one with dementia, and yeah. uh, and they uh, specifically request for their relative not to be vaccinated uh, because they're concerned for whatever reason. And, um, and then they find out uh, that they have been vaccinated even though um, they've specifically asked um, for them not to be. And also quite often the uh, care home resident themselves, you know, doesn't want it. So mm. uh, because of the because the doors are closed and, and in a lot of cases at the moment, the windows are closed and the curtains are closed. I don't know if you saw the story that I did in the mail on Monday. I did, yes, I did, yeah. yeah. Thank you uh, for sending curtains, me that. Yeah, even the curtains are closed. So you can't even, you don't even know if, if your if your relative is alive, you know you can't see them, you can't speak to them. A lot of these people with um, dementia or Alzheimer's um, aren't able to speak on the phone. Quite their phones go missing. I've spoken to so many people. It happened with my dad. You know, one yeah. time his phone was actually put in the laundry and, and, and washed, which I thought was bizarre because surely you know working in a care home in a dementia unit, you'd check people's pockets. You know, of course. Uh, um, but um, my dad's phone went missing several times. I've spoken to lots of other people whose whose relatives' um, phones have gone missing, and then other people who are trying to ring the landline of the care home um, to get through to, to their relative can't get through and that what, what what's the what's the reason for that uh, coronavirus is the excuse like the reason the post is late and the reason someone doesn't reply to your email coronavirus you know it's like the excuse for everything for the last year um so you know it it's it's very very difficult to know what's going on and to find out the truth um there was a story in the mail um for saturday before last by bell mooney uh, she's quite a well-known journalist and i don't know if you read her story Yes, um, I have. Yeah, it's one of those ones that yeah, I, um, yeah. I made sure I file away for future reference because yeah. I thought it was interesting for something like that to uh, come out into the mainstream. Well, this is some this is a story I've been offering the newspapers for the last 10 months, you know, saying, yeah. did you know that, that there are a lot of people dying and having COVID put on their on their death certificates, you know, uh, and, and they haven't died of COVID uh, or anything to do with COVID. Uh, this is something you and I know, and people who actually look into this sort of thing and don't watch the BBC, because we're, we're um, you know, we're, we're busy trying to find out the actual truth. Yeah. Uh, we've known that, that since the start that that was happening. I've spoken to hundreds of people and seen hundreds of, you know, posts on social media on that very subject that the, um, 
you know, that people people were having the, the wrong thing put on their death certificate. But um, but the, anyway, the papers have only just decided to publish that now. So it's really frustrating. It's suddenly the headlines, you know. Um, but for the last 10 months, I, I was being dismissed by all the editors as like, oh, God, what's she on about now? You know, she's lost the plot. But um, anyway, that's all coming out. So Belle Meany did this story. And, and the main focus of her story was the fact that her uh, dad had the wrong thing put on his death certificate. I yeah. wrote to her immediately, but I haven't had a reply yet. I sent yeah. her an email. I think the interesting, sorry, Karen. Yeah, because my main concern wasn't that, you know, to me, that's old news. You know, people have had that, that happening uh, for the last uh, 12 months. But my main concern was that he was very fit and healthy. He was in his 90s, but he was a very fit and healthy man. And um, he wasn't, he didn't have any illnesses or diseases. Um, he was put in the care home for two weeks, I think, for um, just a bit of respite to give her mum a rest from looking after him. Mm. And that's that's when he died in his sleep. Now, when I read that he died in his sleep, I mean, she was saying in the article that that's a relief, you know, obviously it was his time, blah, blah, blah. Well, something jarred with me there because I've been speaking to several people whose uh, relatives are in care homes in their sleep. And this is invariably after they've been given the vaccination, often without being told that they've had the vaccination until there's a bit of probing, you know. Um, and that seems to be quite a common thing. I was talking to one woman uh, this week whose uh, mum in her 70s, I think I might have mentioned it last time, she died in her sleep the day of the vaccination. She went home, felt a bit ill from the, from the side effects of the vaccination, uh, went to bed and never woke up. Um, and this, this, this is quite common. It's almost like um, an adult SIDS. Did I mention that last time? You no, know, you because, didn't, no, no. Well, but SIDS is, is, uh, has been, um, it's been suggested that SIDS, the sudden infant death syndrome, is linked to vaccines. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people will dispute that, but otherwise it's just a mystery. You know, a child just suddenly stops breathing in the night. It's, it's very, very uh, unusual, you know, for that to happen until vaccines uh, were introduced and, and the program was stepped up. Um, I think what we're seeing now is SADS, it's sudden adult death syndrome, uh, because, you know, for someone just to stop breathing and die in their sleep, it does happen, obviously, sometimes, but, but, but the numbers now have, have increased um, just by a huge amount. Um, I think I mentioned to you last time, I asked the manager at my dad's care home how many people had died uh, while while he had been there, this was last July. I said, how many? I asked her how many people have died this year, and she said none. And I said, oh, I don't just mean from from or anything to do with COVID. I mean, to in total, how many old people have died in the care home? She said none. Uh, no one's died th this year. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people think that old people are dropping like flies in care homes on a daily basis because they're old, but that's not the case. Um, mm. I'm trying to get some figures for that because. Um, by the time my dad came out of the care home after nearly a year there, two people had died mm. in his care home. Um, so I'm thinking two, that sounds a very low number for a, for a care home, but maybe that is a, an average or let's say there was 10 dying. But now we've got incidents of a pe suddenly people dying like 23 in one week, 26 in one week, 30 in a week, you know, uh, which, which is that is not that is not normal. No. Um, and they're saying that, that, that COVID outbreaks, uh, why are there COVID outbreaks if they've all been vaccinated? Mm. Uh, it, it's obviously, it's, it's a huge elephant in the room. It's like you roll out the vaccine, people have it, and then people start dying. To me, it's a, a very obvious correlation. 
I think, uh, thank you for that. Uh, there's a couple of points I want to pick up on. Uh, first of all, um, surely uh, there must be certain protocols that um, management have to follow in terms of checking uh, the records of residents to make sure um, that they that they do want to comply with having the vaccine. Um, so, well, how firstly, yeah, yeah, the, the, the residents, if they've got any kind of um, Alzheimer's or dementia, that uh, we're told they do not have capacity. My dad had a very strange diagnosis. Uh, he had dementia with capacity. So I don't know what that meant. It meant he could sign certain forms. It meant he could consent to some things, but not to others. Uh, it, when it suited them, basically, you know, if they wanted him to, to agree to something they wanted him to agree to, then, then he had capacity. And if they wanted him to tell him, if they wanted to tell him to do something that he didn't want to do, then he had dementia and, and didn't have capacity. So it was quite confusing. But um, uh, several people I've spoken to, they've, uh, their relatives have had the vaccination in care homes without their consent. One woman had power of attorney over her dad. Um, she said specifically no to the vaccine. Um, and he had it anyway. When she queried that, and he died five days later, um, she was furious. She went in and she took him out of the home. She couldn't believe that, that you know, what had happened. Um, when she picked him up, uh, they hadn't even bothered to get him dressed properly. He was in a, a jacket, his shorts, like his underpants, uh, bare legs, shoes, um, but bare legs, you know, this is in January, this is just um, uh, 12th of January, I think she picked him up and um, took him home, just thinking I, I cannot keep him there anymore, he's going to come and live, live with me and my, or my sister, and um, he suddenly got ill um, the next day, and then he died in hospital of pneumonia and heart failure, so um, and, and she said it's definitely to do with the vaccine. And the reason she was given that he was vaccinated without his or her consent was that the doctor decided it was in his best interests. This is a, some kind of legal term, I think. It was in his best interests to have the uh, vaccination. So they did it uh, without consent, which is when, I mean, you don't know what's going on in the care home, but no. if they, can you imagine people not wanting the vaccine? What are they doing? Yeah. Are they holding them down? Well, I have uh, seen yeah. some did you see that footage from Germany? Yes, I have seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They are actually physically um, assaulting uh, these elderly residents who are being treated like prisoners, even though they're paying, you know, up to fifteen hundred pounds a week for the privilege of being assaulted and, and um, medically raped. Basically, if you're being injected with something against your will, um, that that's criminal. Can it, I just check? Uh, human I rights. Sorry, Ginger. Can I just check? Um, do you think part of the reason why normal protocols might not be followed in care homes um, is because of the pressure that the government are placing on them to follow, to make sure that as many residents as possible are being vaccinated? So it's almost, in a sense, it's creating a climate of fear amongst staff and management because they're already dealing with very challenging situation. Uh, dealing with the COVID outbreak uh, a year ago now. So the staff are under stress, management are under stress. Mm -hmm. So do you think it might be partly that rather than actual kind of, what's the word, deliberate, a deliberate way in which they're uh, not following protocols? It's just a, kind of like a pressure cooker situation. What's your take on the reason well, why? Well, to be kind to them, um, 
I would say, yeah, they probably are under a lot of pressure. But um, on the other hand, I think the power has gone to their heads. I was talking to Leander Ashton, Leandra Ashton, I don't know if you know her story, when she, her and her mother tried to get their grandmother out and the police were called and, and the poor grandmother was taken back into the home and the mother was arrested. Do you remember that story? I don't, She's, no. uh, she's a, a TV actress, so um, it got right. a lot of publicity and I talked to her about the situation and um, yeah, it's it's just it's just a, a you know this is happening with a lot of people. You know, they're, 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 she was actually saying to me, like I just said, that she thinks this tiny bit of power that some of these people have got um, that work at care homes has just completely distorted their personalities. I, I, the first day that I went to my dad's care home to pick him up, I was taking him to the pub for a Sunday lunch, and the person came to the door and said, "We're in lockdown." There was a certain amount of um, excitement you know for her you can suddenly see lockdown that's like something from a hollywood movie you know we're in lockdown and i was thinking what's lockdown what are they talking about mm. um i think a lot of them are very sad little people and they're quite enjoying it and i also right. think they're quite enjoying the power and, and the footage i've seen and the people i've spoken to and the cruelty and the inhumane behavior of some of these carers and managers i can't just say no, they're under pressure, there's a lot of stress. I don't know what has happened, and it's the same with the police. It's like they've been drugged or something. It's like they've been hypnotized into being heartless and cruel and psychopathic. And, and uh, so, yes, of course, there are some lovely carers. I met lovely ones. That my, my, there was one in particular that my dad loved to bits, and he's phoned regularly since my dad's been home, and he's an absolutely lovely person. But I would say most of them were little bullies you know when I went to visit my dad for the outdoor visits it's like stand here I want to take your temperature you know don't stand too close three meters because you haven't got your PPP on you know and they're all standing there like little rottweilers on guard I couldn't even have a private conversation with my dad outside because there was someone had to stand on guard what the hell is that what's that about it's like they're frightened of us having a conversation you know make, making a plot to get him out maybe I don't know so I'm pretty angry about it but of course yeah yeah yeah, I mean, a lot of people do say what you're saying. Oh, it must be so hard for them, pressure. No, but where's the humanity? You know, where, yeah. where's the, why, why can't they, you know, put themselves, where, where's the empathy? Why can't they put themselves in, in the position of, of the resident or the relative, you know? Mm. It could be then. Um, it's like something is shut down in their brain and I don't know how this has happened, but it must be some kind of power trip. And mm. I'm, I'm just shocked that so many people who are supposed to be caring, and in caring professions um, have turned psychopathic. Can I just- I don't understand how that's happened. Can I just propose a theory as to why that might be the case? Yeah, definitely. And you spoke something almost, and I've heard it spoken about this, almost this sort of mind virus that's that's going on, that's meaning people are behaving in irrational ways and almost um, thriving on this idea of having power that they perhaps didn't once have. I think um, it could it could be because of the fear, the amount of fear that's been pumped into people since last March through the mainstream media, beginning with images of people dropping down dead in Wuhan, then yeah. seeing the pictures of the coffins in northern Italy all lined up. Yeah. Um, I think it's 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 almost caused psychological trauma in people to the extent that people feel that what they're actually doing is is the right thing yeah you see what i mean again i'm not excusing what they're doing 
but we might look at it objectively quite rightly and say well it seems insane but from their perspective they feel like they're doing the right thing what's your take on that yeah i think they do um and they don't look into it and they i've had had so many people saying to me oh i'm just doing as i'm told i'm just yeah um but since why 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 have they why are they so compliant i mean i'm not a compliant person myself and i thought there were more of us i really did but people are so compliant and like you say that probably is down to fear but that fear comes that comes through the television mm. you know i mean it's created through the television i don't watch the the BBC I've had a I've had a look at it obviously from time to time and it's like bloody hell I would be terrified if I watched that every day and believed it so I do actually understand you know why but um so the trick is is to stop watching the TV and stop stop um, reading the the newspapers you know although like I said I do try and get some truthful stories into the papers and now and again it does happen but there are certain stories that they still the papers still won't entertain you know they will not they're not taking any stories on police brutality i started sending them stories on that back in um september when i was at the trafalgar square rally yeah and the police the police i was right in the middle of it because the police sort of stormed for want of a better word sounds a bit dramatic but i've got an 11 minute video that i took myself while we're right in the middle of it and police were like swinging their batons at people and you know, crunching them around people's skulls and, and drawing blood. And, and I was like, oh my God, my knee, my knees were shaking mm. and, and saying run away. But my my nosiness over overrode it and just thought, no, stay here and film it, you know. But it was pretty scary. You know, we were all squashed up and and they were, you know, and, and I saw some horrible things, took lots of photos, took this 11 minute video, like I said, and offered it to all the papers. And they're like, oh, you know, like I say, not one for us, thank you at the moment. And it's like, what do you mean at the moment? You're never going to run it. I've been sending police brutality stories ever since. Mm. And um, again, they, they quite often just silence, met with silence, no reply at all, which to me is it, it's their way of saying to me, look, we can't even answer to this pitch. You know, we can't reply. We can't say no out loud because that's going to look bad. So they just completely go silent. Even editors that speak to me on a daily basis, sure. I, I just I don't know if you saw that one last night at uh, uh, Bishop's Park in London on, on Saturday. There yeah, I did hear about yeah. Arrests there, one in particular yeah. was even well, going off the subject a bit. But yeah, again, it's this psychopathic police behaviour and you see them up close, people are being filmed up close, you know, looking, the camera looking right into their eyes and their eyes are just like black. It's like... Yeah, demonic like, almost, yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. what's happened to these people? I've actually spoken to some of those police officers at that rally as well, saying, you know, what's going on? What are you doing? And the majority of them had said, we're just waiting for the next order to come through. And I said to one police officer, well, if the order is to go and hit people around the head with batons, are you going to do that? And he said, of course, I'm not going to do that. And I said, well, your mates over there are doing it. So, mm. you know, you'll be sure. doing it in a minute. And he's like, no, of course I wouldn't. Don't be ridiculous. And it's like, they're telling you one thing while, sure. while doing the doing other. It. Yeah. I think but the same extends to, to uh, care home staff and this sounds awful it's oh, it sounds awful to say because like i said a lot of them are nice people of course absolutely. something has happened and yeah. it might be down to the floor yeah but i'm just shocked that, that that they're that scared they must know by now it's a year like most people are waking up now you know mm. Every, people i talked to in the street i was just chatting to a lady in, in the lift where i live um uh, in, in the flats where i live yesterday um and 
we were getting into the lift together and she said, oh, hang on, I'll just put my mask on. I said, seriously, don't worry about it. You know, and she said, to be honest, I'm getting sick of it as well. And she's just your average person in the street, sure. you know. And yeah. she said, it doesn't make any sense, does it? I said, no, it doesn't. And it was just a brief conversation, but I do try and have those conversations wherever I go. And I must say, going out in the sunshine the last few days, I'm seeing less and less masks, which is great, which is an indication to me that people are going, you know, we've had enough of this. I'm not wearing this sweaty old thing on my face anymore. <laughs> and yesterday I saw a total of four people when I was out for a couple of hours in masks, which is quite an improvement. And they generally tend to be very old people mm. who are the people who are sat in watching the TV. Sure. Yeah. And getting terrified. Yeah. Yeah. But, but as we're saying, you know, that we've now got 405 uh, deaths linked to these vaccines um, that have been reported to the yellow card uh, reporting system and over 114,000 serious adverse reactions. And I was just thinking this morning that if there was a, a food product, for example, like a type of biscuit or something, yeah. and some, someone died after eating it, they'd all be pulled off the shelves immediately, everywhere, yeah, sure. worldwide. Um, yeah. If there was some kind of uh, machine or product, like a like a, they often use the example of a baby car seat that didn't the baby slipped out of and they died, they'd pull all those those car seats. But as mm. a vaccine, we've got four hundred and five people in this um, in the UK alone, and many many more in the US and around the world, um, and nothing's happening. It's like people are stopping it. Surely one death would be enough. Yeah. Can I just, yeah. yeah. Can I just make a point with regards to uh, what you're talking about and um, reactions and deaths to the vaccine? And then we'll go back to the care home issue, if that's OK yeah. with you. So um, someone I've seen quite a lot online, I think her name's Dr. Sherry Penny. She's an yeah. American doctor. Well, Sherry Tenpenny, yes. Sherry, sorry. Yes, an unusual name. Um, <laughs> is, she's yeah, a great yeah. woman to watch because is, yeah. she's so uh, every... Uh, what's the word um she speaks in very everyday terms about what are very very dark and disturbing things for humanity yeah. anyway the point i want to make is she said there's this mentality around vaccines almost that if you don't die then it's great it's doing its job so yeah. anything in between it doesn't matter and this alludes to the point that you're making where that's the attitude that we have towards vaccines whereas if it was a food product or a food stuff stuff get my words out you know or a child's safety yeah. restraint in the car would be completely different and it, it's yeah. almost as if um there's almost like this messianic attitude towards vaccines in that they're seen as the savior yeah uh, and and it distorts yeah. all our rational thinking around uh, yeah um uh, sherry tempany has been obviously studying uh, vaccines for decades and she's written uh, many books on the subject and is um you know, considered to be uh, very knowledgeable on the subject. Um, I've been looking into vaccines for about eight years now. Mm. My concern, or my opinion, like you just said, is if you have a vaccination, which is basically a cocktail of toxins, poisons, neurotoxins, um, and all manner of other undesirable things that you wouldn't want injected into your body. Uh, yeah. my, my thing is, if you have one and, and you're okay, and you've kind of dodged a bullet well for for that moment you don't know what the long-term damage is going to be um you know th there's theories um that people with alzheimer's um when there's been post-mortems on them uh, there's a massive amount of aluminium in the brain 
and aluminium can come from a variety of uh, uh, places such as um, um, aluminium cookware, you know, which a lot of people of use or, or tinned food or, or uh, but, but mainly it's from injections and vaccinations and, and medications. Um, so a lot of these, these people with this aluminium in their brain, um, there's a lot of research done by uh, Professor Chris Exley. He's the, he's the world um, expert on aluminium itself. Yeah. And uh, he talks a lot about this. So um, there's a lot of evidence that would that suggests that this could be the case, that the aluminium in the vaccines is causing problems in the brain. Mm. I don't know if a lot of people realize that that some people have a gene called the NTHFR gene, Right. And if you've got this gene, you're not able to flush the toxins out of your body as well as someone who doesn't have that gene. Well, of course, you can get tested for that gene privately. It costs yeah. about £100 at a private lab. But yeah. people really should be routinely tested for that before they're given the vaccination. It's not one size fits all with, with any kind of medication. And uh, some people will react to it and some people won't. You know, some people will die from it and some people seem to be absolutely fine. But with this new uh, vaccination in particular, they're not doing any tests. I, I mean, the people who are having the jabs are, are the guinea pigs. You know, this is a massive, this is the, the biggest experiment ever done on, on humanity with people queuing up to be guinea pigs, queuing up to be lab rats. You know, normally they would have to pay people five, 10,000 pounds to be part of an experiment, but they, they've manipulated the situation so beautifully that people are actually begging to be the rat and the guinea pig. Yeah. So um, it's all very clever the way the way it's the way it's panned out, and the the way that the, the media are presenting the the vaccine. It's like, oh, you know, we've got a wonderful chance now with everyone being well and everything going back to normal. And and oh, look, you know, uh, I saw an article the other day which was hilarious. Um, how to cope with your jealousy when your friend gets your vaccination before you do. But don't be angry, you know, stay calm. It'll be your turn soon, you know, it's normal to feel this way. It was just hilarious. It's like, I, I, I wouldn't, I, ha, I have good ideas for features, but I would never have thought of that one in a million years. It's, it's <laughs> almost as if the way in which we're being infantilized, made, made into yeah. children, even down to getting the little sticker when people yeah, get the jab it's really uh, bad yeah um just <laughs> lastly uh, uh on the vaccines in general before we move back to the care home issue of course you're right jackie to point out as as anyone knows who's done just a, a tiny bit of research they're still in stage three trials until january 2023 i think yeah yeah so right. but because it it was all signed in under emergency legislation they don't have to follow the normal protocols but they, uh, as as you rightly said um, all of these millions of people, billions eventually around the world, they should be getting payment for medical trials. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've spoken to a lot of people uh, just, just asking the simple question, do you know what's in the vaccine? In fact, mm -hmm. I was talking to someone yesterday, a man who said he'd just had his vaccine. And I said, oh, that's great. As long as you know what was in it and, you know, you researched it properly. And he looked at me like I was mad and just said, well, no, you know, why would I do that? I just I, I trust the doctors and, and I said well it's funny isn't it because so many people will look at the ingredients on it on, on a, a packet of, uh, of biscuits but they won't um, <laughs> but they don't look at the ingredients something that's been injected into their body and crossing their blood-brain barrier and going to their brain mm. and and the general reaction is 
well, it's all been researched, you know, why do I need to research it? The doctors have all done that, the scientists have done that, and, and it's fine. And I'm sure if there was anything wrong with it, the BBC would tell us. Mm. And so there you are, just, you know, going around in, the, in the, these circles. There was a lady in a shop the other day talking about her flu jab. And I said, do you know what's in the flu jab? And she literally put her hands over her ears and said, I don't need to know, I don't need to know, and walked off. And yeah, that's, like, that's, dealing with. that's what I mean. Uh, by the infantilism of it I mean that's like a child would do that don't tell yeah. me mommy don't tell me daddy yeah, yeah. and that's what's yeah. being presented through the media and pe people pick up on that and again that relates to fear because yeah. um, when you're not in fear and when you actually take responsibility then but then it does get scary because you you have to take responsibility for yourself don't you and your actions and what you in yeah. allow into your body and and it is yeah. like you was rightly saying that millions of people of the older generation have grown up uh, with a lot of trust in the NHS and a lot of trust in the government and the authorities to help them and to save them. So um, they've just followed along. But there is this yeah. I believe there is this disconnect coming. And if we look at this from a broader kind of spiritual angle, this is where there's going to be almost like perhaps a shift in consciousness in the more you know you'll be those who will still carry on and be servile and you'll be those who want to be sovereign and and want yeah. to be kind of masters of their own future if you like oh i don't know I, don't, I really don't know what direction that's going in but um another thing i noticed um i've been because i'm 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 a member of a lot of uh, forums and and facebook groups about uh, the effects of the vaccine a lot of people have been saying strange things like um, that they felt different after it mentally, but they can't quite pinpoint how and they just don't feel like themselves anymore. And it's like, you know, and the, I was watching a, a video last night of a young man who has cerebral palsy just the, the, before his vaccination and after. And it's like he's possessed. He's talking in terms of we instead of I. He's talking like right. no, we are legion, you know. He said yeah. he's got 10, 10 different personalities now. He's um, and he, he he had cerebral palsy anyway, but he was perfectly rational before. But after the vaccination, he's like he's I, I don't know. It's gone viral the, the 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 video of him. His mother's been filming him, and he's like a he's possessed basically. He's like um, mm. he's got a different. Well, he's got ten different personalities, and mm. she keeps saying to him, "Can we have Aaron through, please? I want to speak to Aaron." And 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 the other personalities aren't allowing it. Mm. Yeah, so it's very disturbing. You're very disturbing. It's called um, when someone goes through a trauma, they can have a sort of splinter thing, can't they, where they develop a sort of another personality to. Yeah, it's almost like a fracturing altered state. That's yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, that seems to have happened to this boy, and then I think we'll be hear, hearing more of this kind of thing. Yeah, and I don't know what it is um, that is causing this. I mean, I've looked into all the the ingredients of the vaccinations and. And look them all up and see what they actually are. And there was one ingredient I stumbled across. Um, I think it's in the AstraZeneca one. It's on the government website anyway. I've mm. got it all printed off. Um, and one of the ingredients, because I looked them up separately, was uh, potassium chloride. And I thought, I wonder what that is. Interesting. So I looked it up, and potassium chloride is used as a lethal injection in America, just potassium chloride itself. Um, because it slows down the heart rate and stops the heart eventually. Right. So I was thinking, well, why is that 
in a vaccine? Why would you want an ingredient that slows the heart down? Sure. Um, and I mentioned it to quite a lot of people, and a lot of people say, oh, it's probably only a tiny amount. So, but my question is, why is it in there at all? Exactly. I haven't got an answer to that yet. So sure. I'm, I'm looking into that. And a lot of the people who've had the vaccine die of heart failure in their mm. sleep. So yeah. it's like the heart gets gradually slowed down. Um, whether, I mean, whether it's used as an adjuvant or something else, I don't know. Um, I can't really find any other uses for it. A friend of mine said, oh, I've got that in the medication I take. And I was like, why? And she said, oh, I don't know. And so many people, they don't, qu they don't question it. She no. starts looking on my pills and yeah, it's in mine as well. It's like, so, so they're putting it in vaccines, they're putting it in meds, but yet they're using it as a lethal injection. And mm. these vaccines to me look like lethal injections. Um, if, they, if they don't get you with the first dose, they're probably gonna get you with the second or the third. Yeah. Um, but the, I think the, the main problem is with the care homes, trying to get back to that and keep going off on tangents, um, <laughs> is that we've, people can't get to their relatives. They can't no. see them no. even, like I said. So they, anything could be happening to them. Like my friend and her dad, I don't want to frighten her and I didn't say this to her, but he could be dead. He wouldn't know. The last few times she's been there, she hasn't seen him. They won't mm. let him speak to her. Mm. So, you know, that, never mind, um, you know, being being jabbed without anyone's consent, they could actually be not not be alive anymore. We don't know what mm. is going on. Um, mm. I mean, that sounds completely uh, crazy. But if you don't if you don't know, you will start thinking along those sure. lines. Yeah. And it's the uncertainty uh, that's causing, obviously, a lot of stress for people not knowing what's happening, like you're saying, to their relatives. And of course, for those in care homes themselves, if normal protocols aren't being followed. We're coming up to the yeah. end of our allocated Zoom slot time period. I just want to finish on a perhaps more of a positive note, leave uh, yeah. our audience with something more positive to leave. Uh, is Do you think that in the UK, is this, are we going to see a sea change in how elderly people and the care of older people in the future uh, going forward now uh, as more things are leaked out? Um, I mean, just on the level of putting all elderly people into these sort of ghettos called care homes and nursing homes. Uh, and I don't mean that in a horrible way. I just mean the way in yeah. which we put all of older people into one group. It's almost like we don't want to be reminded of our own mortality and the fact oh, we're yeah, going to die. Worry, and yeah. it's and they've done various studies to show that older people need interaction with children and younger course, people. It's you know. it's vital for their health and well-being. So yeah, do you think there will be a sea change going forward after COVID when all the proper investigations take place? No, I don't actually. You don't. <laughs> and, <he's laughs> and, on that, and on that bombshell, and yeah, that would say. Know. It's my opinion, so you know, might 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 not be right, but yeah, no, yeah. I think there's a there's a cull going on on the old people. I think mm. the government will get rid of the old people. They're too expensive. They're a drain on society. They're the useless feeders, as Henry Kissinger once um, said. And I think as well uh, that, like all small businesses, they uh, the government want to shut their care homes down. I don't mm. think there will be care homes. I don't think there'll be old people, you know, uh, in in the in the future. So you see that until people stand up and mm. and you know and you make 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 a stand against what's going on and not enough people are I mean there are um, you know thousands 
but we need millions. We need millions of people to stand up and just say no. I was just going to quickly add as well. Yeah, please if do. If you look at the government guidelines, care homes on care home visiting, they've been saying since the start of December that, that care homes must facilitate visits and because um, they're, they're trying to cover it, they're covering their asses now a bit because um, of course. because uh, they were saying before, you know, no visits, then they realised that was a massive breach of human rights. And now since December, they changed it all. But so uh, and they're leaving it to the care homes to make the rules. So if you're not allowed to go into a care home to visit your relative, it's because of the care home rules, not the government. And the care homes say, oh, we're just following government guidelines. Well, you, they obviously haven't looked at the government guidelines because the government guidelines say that they must facilitate visits because it's unhealthy for um, the old people not, not to be able to see their loved ones. So the care homes are lying. The care homes don't know the government guidelines. They need to look at the government guidelines and realise that it's not the government making the rules. Not that I'm forgiving the government for anything here, but no, it's not the government making the rules. It's the care homes making the rules. They're the ones who are being... Um, humane in this instance so that, that's something that that people need to um, be reminded of and that the care homes need to be reminded of so the so the current just to just to summarize that so basically uh, it's down to individual care homes nursing homes to decide their own policy now with regards to covid so yeah. um so that actually does give um family more leeway in a way uh, yeah. to, 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 to negotiate uh, with the manager, uh, managers. It's almost impossible care. because I tried, I tried it with the managers at my dad's um, uh, care homes. It's all, you know, they just slam the door in your face, literally, because you're not allowed in. So you're trying to talk in the doorway or through a window and they, they just slam the door or walk off. If you start mm. saying, this isn't the law, you need to look at the guidelines. They're like, yeah, we haven't got time for this now. And they just walk off. And then you try and phone someone. I spoke to the owner of the care homes, you know, the, the top guy there. Mm. who uh, uh, I obviously got through to them in the end, but it took a lot of phone calls and a lot of being very, very firm and actually threatening him with court action and telling him that I was a journalist and telling him that I would be writing about him personally, you know, in articles. And in the end, he obviously thought I was more trouble than than, than it was worth and <laughs> and and just push my dad out the doors and bloody hell, just take him, you know, um, leave me alone. But because a lot of people haven't got the time or, or the energy or the, or the know-how to do that, um, they don't realise that they can do that. Mm. Yeah. And they can, they can. Yeah, it's that thing again, it, it's like the, the emperor, the emperor's, uh, the emperor's actually naked, the metaphor, yeah. you know, the child yeah. pulling on the, and there's, yeah. Uh, but a lot of people don't actually, they don't, um, a lot of it can just be self-confidence or, or, or our belief yeah, course, in these authority I mean, figures yeah, that don't exist. Yeah. These yeah. Most people feel so battered at the moment, you know, yeah. their, their self-esteem is terrible, they're exhausted, they're drained, they're depressed, they're anxious. I know so many people suffering from depression and anxiety, they couldn't cope with that, you know, and yeah. they, they'd need someone to do it for them. Um, and I, I've had a lot of people asking me, you know, on the quiet, how, how do you do it, you know? And they've tried, but then they 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 haven't got the, the time or the energy. There's there's the other situation as well where where people either don't want their relatives to come home, yeah. or they're not able to look after them at home for many many reasons. Um, it's very very difficult to look after someone with Alzheimer's or dementia. You know yeah. that they, they can be absolutely infuriating and exhausting, um, and, and you just want your relative to be looked after properly in a home that is costing them thousands. You know. Um, over a thousand pounds a week in most cases um 
to be treated nicely and treated well and for you to be able to visit them whenever you want as per their human rights mm. that's that's, the, that's all, all people are asking um the care homes are in a position to allow this to happen so why they're still making these these terrible draconian rules and preventing people from coming in i don't know i really don't know what's mm. going on there but it needs that needs to be exposed yeah so before we finish up i wonder do you have any advice uh, or perhaps sources of information online that people could use who are in communication with uh, a care home or a nursing home and they want to and you know they perhaps on a very simple level just want to visit their parent or their relative um is there any websites that people can go to um well um or, not that i know of um hmm. I would suggest look at the government's uh, website, that's gov.co.uk, look at the guidelines. Um, I've, I've printed out a lot of guidelines. I, th I think that helps. If you print out some information and put it in a nice plastic folder so they don't just yeah. screw it up and put it in the bin. Yeah. I've done that with a lot of shops in my local area about the mask wearing situation um, and exemptions. Um, you know, print it out nicely, put some colors on it. Um, and uh, put it in a nice plastic folder and and actually bring it in person to them um mm. also don't don't speak to the um monkey speak to the organ grinder you know a lot of these uh, uh, assistant managers or or even the managers themselves are just following orders yeah. um from above so find out you know wh where the the actual order came from in the first place and address the person who is actually implementing these rules because mm. the rules are wrong, the rules are in breach of human rights, um, and they're actually keeping residents prisoner, which is illegal, it's false imprisonment, as far as I know, that's illegal. So um, that's what I threatened um, the care home owner with, um, taking him to court over false imprisonment and, um, okay. and breach of human rights, mine and my dad's, and mm. said he'd be in big trouble. And so they were ever so nice, um, but it did take a lot of, phone calls and a lot of being very um well for one i wasn't gonna say threatening but i suppose i was threatening really i'll say i was i was saying if, if you if you don't um allow me to take my dad then um this is going to happen to you mm. and it's not going to be pleasant so yeah i was threatening them mm. um and it wasn't because i was super confident because i'm not really you know i was as as worried and, and distressed it's just that it was out of desperation probably mm. you want to yeah. protect you want to protect your family you don't want you know um them to be like my dad was practically suicidal at this point you know saying he didn't want to live anymore yeah um and and i just thought now nah, this isn't right he's only 77 it's you know he shouldn't be feeling like this well he shouldn't be feeling like that at any age sure um so yeah so, so that the desperation probably drove me to, to do it but you know i'm lucky in that i've managed to get him out and get him a carer and and I just spoke to him just now before we started chatting and he's in in laughing, joking, having a, a good. good day, having toenails cut on. Yeah. So, but um, a lot of people aren't able to do that. So and no, I understand no. that as well. They just want, but they, they, they're, they're really stuck between a rock and a hard place. They, they can't look after the, the relative themselves, but they can't leave them in a care home no. because they're in danger. So what do you do? So yeah. it's, it's a dilemma for a lot of people. They're, they are put in an impossible position, but um, thank you for that. Um... Uh, words of uh, advice there because uh, I know it's difficult uh, for people thinking of challenging a care home and nursing home mm. and uh, thank you very much for that so yeah thank you for joining us today Jackie uh, it's been, 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 mm. a, been an interesting um, 
interesting chat today and uh, be uh, good if you could join us again in future because there's so oh, much yeah, I've got lots there's, to talk about. there's so much to uh, <laughs> so much so much happening day by day so thank you yeah. thank you again okay. Jackie Thank you.